While in North Carolina for my interview with Dale Earnhardt Jr., I also had a chance to chat with his wife, Amy, and sister, Kelly, who's co-owner of Junior Motorsports. First, my conversation with Amy, just a few months after the birth of their first child. So I want to take you back several years. How did you guys first meet in the first place? Well, I was working at the time in Jacksonville at an architecture firm and we got the job to build his house. So I met him in a design meeting here at JR Motorsports. And um, we didn't have any relationship for a while, but uh, I just, we just kind of had this weird connection from the beginning. Um, and when we finally got together, we, we literally were inseparable ever since. Okay, so he made the comment in some interview that he told you to design the house however you want it because you're going to be living in it one he day. He did. He did tell me that. And I, I just kind of took that with a grain of salt. Wait, was he being serious, well, joking? Who knows, or? you know, right? When you first meet someone, you're in that kind of Twitter-pated phase. Right. Um, I couldn't take that too seriously because professionally I needed to make sure he was going to like this house. Right. But who knows really how serious Dale was at the time. How do you propose? He had done a lot of research on his genealogy and traced his lineage back to, I think, 10 generations back to this little town in Germany called Ilbesheim. And so we went on a trip and he had never been to Europe before. It was a great thing. His sister and her husband went and he, I think it was day two of the trip, we went to the church just to see what it looked like. We had the pastor actually open it up for us and give us a little tour. And I got downstairs and just kind of looking around in my own, just in my own little world, I turn around and he is on his knee. So in the church in Ilbesheim that his family worshiped in 10 generations ago is where we got engaged. So what did he say? It's pretty magical. Something along the lines of, now I'm gonna cry along the lines of, I love you, and this isn't gonna be easy, and it hasn't, but I wanna spend the rest of my life with you, will you marry me? It was something along the lines of that. I told you I wasn't gonna cry, and I'm not the emotional one, and here I am. I know, of the two, now here you get, no. I'm blaming it on the hormones. <laughs> Were you aware it was going? Had no clue. I had, I didn't realize how much I had, but I had really wrapped my mind around the idea that we weren't gonna get married. Really? Yeah. Why? because he said so many times for so many years that he just wasn't going to get married. He didn't want to get married. He didn't see the point in getting married, but he wanted to have kids. And so I told him, I get you not wanting to get married. We don't have to get married, but I'm never having children with you if we aren't. I'm just not doing that. I'm not willing to do that. What do you think brought him around to the, the marriage idea? I think because he realized it, how important it was and how important family was. And that is kind of the starting element of it. And he wanted to do all of that right, coming from um, his background with his, his mom and dad and just all the things that they went through. I think he realized that if he continued with this path he was on mentally, he wasn't going to be much different. And it's not something he even said to me, but I think that he's, he's very reflective in that way. And I think he just came to understand that that's just not the right thing to do. How's having the kid changed your guys' lives? We're both a lot more tired. Um, we are closer than ever, really. And nothing that we ever would have cared about, little things, even matter anymore. Just little things that you deem important, they're not important anymore. And he's made the comment that you guys are already talking about 
expanding the family? Yeah, we've talked about, even before we've had her, we, we've talked about having to, just to, well, she needs a playmate, she needs a buddy, and we don't want her to turn into a real brat. <laughs> so, you know, two is probably a good idea, but we'll see, we haven't really discussed a timeline. After having, at first we thought maybe we'll just have them back to back, just get it done. But now that we're both kind of in the midst of the infancy stage, I think we'll, we're ready to just see how this goes for a little while longer. So if the second one's a girl, do you we're have done. to keep trying to leave? No, 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 he's, he's, he's good? told me he's fine with girls. Okay. Um, something about the pressure of having an Earnhardt son scares him a little bit, I think. I think he's just worried about what that means for the kid more than anything. Mm -hmm. But no, he likes his little girls. Do you think he has a lot of desire for the kid to be a, a driver? Uh -huh. He says no. He says whatever we have, he's going to really encourage any other profession than, than driving cars. Really? Mm -hmm. do you, and do you believe that? I don't, I don't know. Well, what you, like, I think when it comes down to it, it's one of those things he'll have to feel out. Mm -hmm. And uh, plus, the child's going to have a mind of its own. Right. So we really can't control all that. Uh, so the concussions, which we talked at length about, mm -hmm. um, what was your reaction when you found out in 2014 that he had been hiding a lot of the symptoms from you? Part of it was a little bit of anger. I was annoyed with him. Obviously, I want him to share everything, and that's not something you hide. It's really severe and serious, and... Um, he should have been treating it versus hiding it. And then I was relieved a little bit because I could tell there was something wrong, but I didn't know what it was. So now we finally had something to work from. What do you remember from the conversation when he told you for the first time what was going on then? I remember being a little confused and just asking a lot of questions. He had so many notes that he had saved in his phone. It was easy for him to explain it to me. Mm -hmm. um, but from that moment, my only thoughts were, okay, let's, how, how do we fix this and who do we call? Surely there's a plan here, what do we do? How much did it drive you crazy that there are some like, uninformed folks in the media that are like, oh, he's retiring because, because of Amy, of Amy. Or Amy's mm -hmm. making him retire? A lot of that was not surprising. I think it was just an easy target. I'm an easy target for something like that. Without a lot of information too, they're just gonna assume. And it was ironic timing, considering he was going to come and kind of coming to the end of his career anyway. And we were getting married, I just got pregnant. It was just kind of all cumulative and easy. It didn't bother me. I, I, I felt like I've developed a, a thick skin, but it's just easy to see that that was just an easy target. So it didn't bother me too bad. And plus I stayed off of social media when we were really going through the really bad parts of it. Mm -hmm. um, just because he and I both didn't want to see what everybody was saying. The hardest part for you of the whole process was what? I mean, from the symptoms, concussion symptoms developing to the rehab treatment, et cetera. The hardest part for me was Dale and his stubbornness and making sure he stayed at it. And sometimes in the middle of some of these things we're doing, um, he's bitching and moaning and complaining. <laughs> and. Uh, not having a good time and telling me he didn't see any differences. But just like when he had those first concussion symptoms, he was taking notes of how he would feel. And we had video, which we've since deleted. He didn't want me to keep it, but um, we had video records of how far he could walk across the floor with his eyes closed, 
from one week to the next. So he could really see how much it was helping him. What's your perspective on why he wrote the book? Well, I think there's a few reasons. I think he wrote the book because he wanted to share his perspective and really share everything he went through. Um, when he was going through it, he kept a lot to himself, not just like the notes that he kept from everyone, but he kept a lot of the real dirty grind of what he was going through from the media and from his fans. So I think he wanted to make sure that they knew what he went through and why he was really retiring. And then I think he wanted to make sure that if in sharing the story, he could possibly help someone else going through something similar. Um, That's important to him. It's really important to him. I think that drove him sharing it more than just because of his race fans and wanting to put closure to that. Thank you very much. And now here's Kelly Earnhardt Miller at the headquarters of Junior Motorsports. Explain um, what's housed here at Junior Motorsports. Yeah, sure. So we pretty much um, house here at Junior Motorsports just the nuts and bolts of all Adele's businesses. So, you know, we have the race team, which is out here in the shop. We have four Xfinity NASCAR teams, um, which is kind of the, the meat of the situation. But we also manage Dale's business, his brand, you know, marketing, um, social, the podcast. Um, through here, we have an accounting department, HR department, IT, just all those kind of things that you need to help support and run your business. So um, lots of different things that happen out of here. So he's now effectively out of the race car. How does that impact Junior Motorsports and what are your long-term goals for the company? Him being out of the car doesn't really impact us from, from our team standpoint, from Junior Motorsports standpoint. Um, as it relates to like our race teams, it's actually, you know, good to have him in that capacity to be more available and be more, you know, owner driven with us than having to concentrate on driving the race car on Sunday. The NBC contract was, a, I think, a big deal for us to have that relevancy and to, to stay um, connected to the sport in that way, which is something Dale's just so authentic and passionate about that it just made sense. Um, you know, so I see a lot of opportunity on things like that and, and just diving into more things that we can do with our agency, William Morris. Um, and um, a lot of things that have come his way that we've had to say no, we couldn't do along the years because you know he always stayed so busy that he can now do. So you took a 50% pay cut to take <laughs> this job originally. What was your motivation behind doing it? Well, um, you know, Dale and I, it sort of, I guess, goes back to our childhood. I became just, I guess, like the mother hen kind of girl. And so it, I mean, we've, we've just always had that bond of taking care of each other. So when our dad passed away, I knew that Dale Jr. needed someone to look out for him. And so I, you know, taking the pay cut, I guess, was just part of that looking out for each other kind of thing that we had really been doing for lots of years before that as brother and sister. Um, so it really wasn't that big of a deal to me to, to do that, you know. So what were your goals at the time and then how did they evolve as time passed? You know, my goals when I came to work for Dale was really just to, to look out for him and to do things that were in his best interest. And I didn't feel like that I knew my dad always did that, but I wasn't so sure about the other half of that equation. So, um, you know, I didn't want him to get taken advantage of. And, and Dale is, his personality is one of no conflict. 
So he will let people walk over him to a certain extent. How aware were you at the time of starting Junior Motorsports that likely uh, Dale would eventually end up needing to leave DEI? Well, it was sort of a process. You know, um, in 2004, we did a new contract with Teresa. Um, and over that period of time, things just were not happening as cohesive as they needed to happen. You know, we were getting left out of things or not having a seat at the table to be involved in certain things. Delanhart Incorporated was going through a change in terms of the presidents there. They had a number of presidents that were coming in during that time when, you know, we'd have a new meeting and get them up to speed and then before you knew it, they weren't there anymore and we'd have to have a meeting with another person and get them up to speed. And it was really hard to, you know, she had she wanted things a certain way and if we didn't feel that was the way that they should be it was really hard to have that discussion with her it was just pretty much the way she wanted it or that was going to be it so it ended up that that was it <laughs> and in 2007 we made a change so that worked out how big of a change was that for the two of you together it was a big deal it was hard trying to decide that you were leaving your family business knowing that that's what your dad built that business for. Um, it was softened with the fact that you knew that she, you know, the indications that we were given by her actions were that she didn't see things the same way. And um, that, you know, she didn't really see that that was built for the continuation of my dad and, and his kids and that legacy to build on. And that she was pretty, you know, in my opinion, she was very um, stubborn and selfish about that, you know, in a way that caused us to leave. So it was kind of easier to make that decision, um, but still very hard to, to, to leave your family business. I think the thing that worked for me and Dale is that that's kind of the boat that we were always in as kids. And it was always... Me meaning what? Dale and I, I mean, we were always in the situation that we needed to look out for each other, you know, and if, if um, so we had each other to lean on and that relationship to lean on to know that we could, you know, get out from underneath that and be okay and just do our thing. And I mean, speaking of looking out for one another, I mean, it goes, I'm sure further back than this, <laughs> but uh, I mean, he was, I think, kicked out of Christian school, sent yeah. to military yeah. school. You're midway through high school at yeah. the time. and despite not being asked, not being told, you leave midway through high school to join them in military school. <laughs> well, well, why do that then? I don't, I don't know what um, propelled me really to kind of be his protector, but other than to say that Dale just always chose a different path for attention. So he always got in trouble. I'm not a psychologist, I don't understand it, but... Um, he, that's just the way he chose to go about getting the attention. And um, so I always was just protecting and protecting and like, God, you know, I mean, how much more trouble can you stand to get in, kid, you know, and just looking out for him and feeling sorry for him and all this kind of stuff, which just led into doing these different things, you know, following him to military school. And he was a scrawny little butt. I mean, have you seen pictures of him then? Yeah. It was a tiny little thing, and he got called names all the time at school. You know, they call him chicken legs and all this kind of stuff because he had these little white scrawny legs, and he was always, you know, this tall, and his classmates were this tall, and um, yeah, so I just always looked out for him, so I followed him around to military school and 
lot of other things. <laughs> you mentioned having to rely a lot on each other. The the house burned down, I think, when Dale was six. Uh, your mom, uh, it was her house. You, you and Dale were living with yeah. your mom. She moves to Virginia with the firemen she married. Uh, you move in with your father and your uh, stepmom. But were there ways in which, looking back now, you know you missed the attention that you wanted? Oh, yeah, but my dad thought it was okay to, you know, you have you had a roof over your head and you, you know, got to go to school and you got fed and, you know, you got a car when you turned 16 or as long as those needs were met, yeah. you know, you didn't need the emotional piece right. of it, you know. Um, and, but that's what you longed for was the emotional piece of it, you know. you you. Um, you wanted to sit down at dinner and have a family dinner. I mean, we sat at the dinner table and ate by ourselves, you know. We didn't go on vacation with our dad, and when we did go on vacation, it was to Daytona Beach, to the race. He went to the racetrack, we stayed at the hotel and swam in a pool with people, other, you know, other race kids, you know. It was just very rigid, and our dad didn't have a lot of time to spend with us and didn't choose to spend time with us, and um, yeah, it was just really different, yeah. How much did you find that changed later on in life? I think it was on the cusp of changing when we lost our dad. You know, my dad had um, another daughter, Taylor, who's um, 16 years younger than I am. And, you know, and I don't, like, I don't say any of this negatively about my dad. It's my experience and it's what's made me who I am. So I'm very appreciative for that. Um, but, you know, when we were kids, he was trying to make a name for himself. He was making a lot of sacrifices. His priorities were in a different place of wanting to be a race car driver and what you had to do to make that happen. When Taylor was born, our sister, all that was done. He was a successful race car driver. And then he had the opportunity that he could provide for her and you know provide the, a lifestyle for her where he could be involved and spend time with her. So I want to end on this. Uh, you were I instrumental, I believe, in bringing Danica Patrick here. Uh, back in the day, you were understood to be the best driver of the uh, Earnhardt kids. Do you ever wonder if times were different then, what the likelihood is you would have given a shot at it? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, it was such a different time for me when I raced in the mid-90s. Um, women, you know, it still was like weird to go to the race shop because the guys were hanging out there and they were you know, telling stories or doing whatever they were doing. And that was the time that they got to go talk, guy talk, you know, and the girls weren't supposed to, to be around or listen, you know, or if you walked in, it was like, okay, now Kelly's here, you know, don't be talking about that or whatever. And society was kind of that way too. I mean, a girl wasn't supposed to be driving race cars. That's for boys, you know? And um, so I do wonder, and I think that's why the Danica thing was so important to me. Um, to to be able to do that with her. And I've joked, you know, back then when I did interviews, I've lived vicariously through her um, to kind of, because I, the, I that would have been awesome to be doing that. I think partly because of our heritage in the sport, I mean, how awesome would it have been to have an Earnhardt girl, you know, do big things in the sport on the racetrack? I was going to say, but, I know, she, I'm but she already is. On the racetrack. Yeah. <laughs> on the racetrack. But, you know, Looking back, it all happened however it was supposed to happen because, you know, if if losing our dad, now being in this role, that was where I was supposed to be. What if I would have went on and been my own race car driver and then, you know, I'd have been doing a whole lot of different things, on a whole different path that wasn't this path, so I don't know. Well, it's really impressive what you built and <laughs> thank, uh, you. thank you for yeah, taking the time thank to do you. this. Yeah. 
Thanks again for listening to the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger for hours of extra content. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Graham Bensinger. And you can visit GrahamBensinger.com for TV times in your area. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen. This has been the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast.